to Two Girls, One Podcast, a family-owned, certified, organic co-op where the only thing we farm is delicious content. And now here are the podcast hosts who only take six to seven episodes to grow on you, Allison Goldberg and Lindsay Ford. It's me, Lindsay. And me, Allie. And also Matt. And we are here to tell you about the world on the internet. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. And Matt. Hey. It's so funny. Do we say that every time? Yeah. Should we not? I mean, they did click on it, so I suppose they know. know. But it would be weird. If you got this far and you didn't know. But I do think they do that in every single podcast so we should do it in ours maybe a listener forwards to a friend please do and it's like oh my god check out this episode and they click play but they don't really even know what they're listening to and welcome you're here when i listen to podcasts i say alexa play any podcast and then i don't know what the fuck i'm listening to so <laughs> you gotta home, let them know google home can't deal with podcasts it's absurd <laughs> you can tell oh. google home a specific podcast and episode you want to listen to and they're like playing podcasts and i'm like what and then everybody's like terrified that the robots are coming i'm like they are not coming anytime soon it's a slow trudge speaking of things people are terrified of i got my flu shot and my tdap vaccine today my booster shot oh my god you're just that. rolling in vaccines you little bitch <laughs> i got so many vaccines all the little machines tracking everywhere i go or inside my blood damn this is so good oh my god <laughs> that's me <laughs> I know it's a real mind fuck when he plays you 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 know what I mean you're like did I just say how did I just interrupt myself <laughs> it's actually my dream yeah to interrupt myself oh uh, wait what why <laughs> because I'm always doing it to other people so I want to know how cheerful and delightful it is to be interrupted by me mm, <laughs> it is delightful it's delightful <laughs> Uh, JK, I try to leave space. Actually, insight into me, which is what everyone is craving. Um, mm-hmm. When I was a little kid, I knew that I spoke too much. Like, I knew I talked a lot. I was like, I talk a lot and I know it. And I actively practiced not saying all my thoughts out loud. <laughs> like, I, I was like, give people space to talk. Like, in my mind, I said that. As a kid, as like a that's little, very As a little eight-year-old. I was yeah. really weird, Matt. I, I was a very weird As and self-reflective kid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you'll, I mean, I'm still weird, but I mean, I can only imagine, my parents said I didn't laugh at movies that I thought were funny when I was little. And Wait, then at I the end I would say. I really. Well, I do now, but like when I was little, I didn't laugh at all. And at the end of the movie, I would be like, that was funny. And my parents <laughs> were like, what? And What's wrong late, with her? They, they were like, why don't you laugh at things? And I was like, I'm afraid to miss something. Oh, yeah. I don't know. There were two ways it could have gone. I could have become a cool, weird, self-reflective adult or a murderer. It's like, I don't know, a serial killer murderer. Why not both? Why not both? Because mm, then Allie won't be really present at my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> what were your weird kid things when you were a little? Well, I, I didn't 
really laugh out loud at movies or TV shows either. And I remember noticing that my older brother did and thinking that was odd. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know, because you're like at a screen. Like if it was people, I would laugh. But my instinct to laugh at a screen is different. Now, Meanwhile, of course, I do I just Zoom comedy up. shows and I need people to laugh at the fucking screen, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I now speak directly to the television. Hmm. Like, ooh, girl, watch out. Oh, oh yeah. No, I he's talk lying. straight through movies <laughs> and some friends get very annoyed by this. <laughs> like laughter when you're with friends is it's more present but you don't but then you don't laugh during a, a during a screen viewing i get that but then there's some things maybe certainly for me where it's like one percent of movies or shows you are laughing out loud at a screen alone in your room and that's the comedy that i'm like yep that's there's nothing better than this do you have that or or you never laugh what? Oh, I, I laughed I out loud. I don't even understand that question. I get it. I get you're it. You're saying, saying you, never, like, you never laugh when you're when just I'm watching a screen. Alone, but very if you're alone, rarely. If I am alone and I laugh out loud, Catherine O'Hara fucking did something crazy. That's what I'm saying. Ooh, so for you, me, it's, it's Shit's Creek. Yeah. For me, it's Maya Rudolph doing most things. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Maya Rudolph doing almost anything will make me laugh out loud. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. yep. And then I will repeat it for like a week. <laughs> Sidebar, how often as an adult do people just pick you up just like randomly? You're just at a party and they just pick you up. <laughs> it used to happen a lot more when I was younger, like a younger okay. adult. Mm -hmm. Basically in my 20s, I was always standing on top of things to talk to people. <laughs> and if you're already standing on a chair, it's pretty easy to just get picked up from there and moved somewhere else. Yeah, so that Dude, people just relocate you against your will. They'd be like, Lindsay, move. They just pick you up, put you down somewhere else. You know what I mean? Well, I was a tour guide in college, and I literally got kidnapped from my tour by my friends one time. They picked me up and ran away with me. I think that as long as you surround yourself with the right people, Lindsay, you're going to do very well in the zombie apocalypse. Some friend Thank will you. just toss you over their shoulder and keep running. <laughs> I'm like just big enough that I'll be left. I'm big enough and slow enough that I'll be left behind. You know? <laughs> no, you'll you'll be okay. You'll be okay. I'll, I'll tell them to take you too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, uh, speaking of the pandemic, <laughs> I guess I don't know. Some interesting <laughs> things happened. Uh, at least from the perspective of this podcast, it's been kind of interesting to see the already existent virtual world kind of light up. And we recently discovered that it has also finally caught up farming into the technological age. I think I explained that in a very convoluted way, but basically we found out that there are more and more farms going online and different platforms helping them connect locally so that people, you know, I think there's more and more awareness of the benefits of buying local for um, climate change and the food itself and the value of it. So we're looking today at how farmers markets are moving online. How'd I do? I think you did a great job, Allie. It Thank was you. almost as difficult to understand as when Matt asked what we laugh out loud to. Um, <laughs> but basically, so yeah. Mediocre. Okay. Farms. <laughs> So yeah, farms are catching up. They're getting online and we're not just talking about farmers only, but we probably will talk about that more later. Should we join but, farmers only, Lindsay? Um, My roommate is dating a farmer, just BT, 
dubs. A murderous farmer or just re- oh, regular no, farmer? regular farmer. Regular farmer. <laughs> I think my problem is that early in the pandemic, someone told me that I should slide into Michael B. Jordan's DMs and I didn't do it. And now <laughs> he is the only thing that I ever think of when I'm going on dates that aren't with him. Are his DMs open? Can, can we get no, because now during the pandy, he started dating Steve Harvey's stepdaughter. Okay. It won't last. Don't curse them. I want people who are happy together to stay happy forever. I, I just was just trying to get you in happy. there. You know what I mean? I was trying to throw you in the race. I know. I, don't, I was trying I don't, to pick you up and toss you. I, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Matt, this is yes. the time that you need to give us the trivia. It's here. It's time. All right. Denzel. <gasps> Ma- Ooh. Ma- Ma- no. Matthias. Oh. Matthias. Oh. Not like the Washington? one you thought. Yeah. Not the one. Okay. I don't Different care Denzel. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Ali's checked out. Wrong Suddenly, Denzel. my interest level has plummeted. Denzel mm-hmm. Matthias is a farmer who runs a him. vineyard. Yeah, good, yeah, he's a lovely guy from what I've seen. Uh, he runs a vineyard in Stellenbosch, South Africa, and he is mm. notable because he uses no pesticides at all in his farming. What does he do to protect his very delicate crops? I have three ridiculous choices for you. One is real, two I made up. Here we go. Okay. A, every morning he lines up 1,000 ducks and parades <laughs> them into the vineyard to eat the pests. Nah. Or is them it ducks B? be eating all the food. Mm-hmm. B, he has an array of 400 iPhone 6s set up in a grid just under the soil. When receiving notifications, the iPhone 6 specifically vibrates at a precise frequency unlike any other phone. So this grid of tiny earthquakes drives pests and insects crazy but does not disturb the roots of his crop. All the phones are connected to a network, uh, to a computer in his house where he regularly texts Bible verses to the phones no. every 20 seconds to create the vibrations. That is choice B. Choice Matt, C. Matt, you've lost your fucking mind. That is Cho- crazy. Choice C. It has to be the real one because it's so fucking stupid. Get but ready. go ahead. Denzel, <laughs> not the actor, has accidentally stumbled upon a mixture of linseed oil, milk, and lime, which, when sprayed on his fields, acts as birth control and a sex deterrent for most insects, snails, and rodents. However, when trying to replicate this for the mass market, scientists have no fucking clue why this only works on Denzel's fields. Uh, they currently suspect there is some chemical reaction with the soil. But again, this concoction, birth control for pests, only works in this one farm. Those are your I'm choices. I'm going for that one. Let's go okay. see. Me too. What, I wanted wow. to see also. I do. I do. Okay. Yeah. Because let's talk about putting iPhone 6s in the ground that you're also mm-hmm. using like does he take them out when he's watering i don't i don't think so mm-hmm. yeah no know. that one has a lot of complicating factors also what bible verses you text into yourself bruh that's crazy <laughs> just say yeah. yo like why are you taking a whole bible verse what mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. denzel let's walk it back here 
Agreed. <laughs> All right. We will find out the correct answer. Both, you're both going with C. No one's picking the ducks. No one's picking the iPhone 6s. Everyone's choosing C. We will find out if you are correct after this important commercial break. These people are growing in my heart because they donate to our Patreon at the $10 or more level. Wesley Cordell. You are a delicious little peanut. Also, Jerry Duran. You're a juicy durian. Ooh, Ooh, I'm sorry, they're stinky. That was good. (laughs) Jessica Jessica. Fox. Please Mm -hmm. don't eat all the vegetables. You should vote me off the island for that one. (laughs) Kathy Phillips. Um, Let's say you're a juicy peach. Matthew Scott, you're a box of berries. Melissa Elliott, you're a delicious avocado. And William, you are as sharp as a carrot. And Allison, (laughs) you are as yummy as a russet potato. Is that... Is that yummy? <laughs> Depends how you cook it. Can a russet be, yeah. potato soaked in butter. Mm. Are you kidding? Potatoes are literally my favorite food. Really? <laughs> Lindsay, we potatoes gotta introduce you to kinds. some more food. <laughs> sweet potatoes, purple potatoes, purple sweet potatoes, so yummy. You too can have us say your name in awkward ways if you visit patreon.com slash 2G1P. Probably good at some point. It's uh, definitely like uh, almost an ounce of some well manicured buds. Uh, a customer tipped me this, and I'm pretty sure it sat in his house for a few years. If you like a uh, really low grade bud, this is what you want. Real talk, I hosted a virtual baby shower for my friend. And in real baby showers, they have like prizes for all the baby guessing games and stuff. And because we were in a lockdown, I just was trying to find things around my room <laughs> to, to <laughs> drop off at people's houses if they won the baby prizes. And it was like buttons from Obama's first run for president (laughs) (laughs) and also i i had pictures of the things too that i posted some really old weed that was given to me by a guy i dated five years ago and i never (laughs) smoked he gave me so much of it and i still have two jars worth mason jars baby does it expire like what do you do with that you just toss it i mean it goes Dry, if it's dry. dries out even yeah. if it's in a mason jar you can't keep it for like five years so i think what i'm gonna try to do is cook with it like boil it down use some uh. cheesecloth and make some butter love it all right is it time to find out that c is the right answer it's time to find out if you are correct denzel okay. what does he do on his south african farm on his vineyard no pesticides but keeps those crops healthy Nobody chose a thousand ducks in a duck parade? That, no. 
What the hell? I mean, hell? I'd like to see that if it exists anywhere, but no, that's not what yeah. I choose. Okay, fair enough. No, that's uh, crazy. Nobody chose the, the iPhone 6 earthquake grid. I mean, come on. That's I mean, a that, technological marvel. That's technologically expensive and makes no fucking sense. Yeah. Everyone chose like, the boring one. C. Which is the real one. Uh, just a bunch of stuff mixed together and then the bugs don't don't have Linseed sex. Linseed oil, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna let Denzel explain his answer. This is from a video on Great Big Story on YouTube, which is uh, f a thing that CNN launched and I think they stopped doing it. But uh, here's Denzel to tell you the real answer. In a special farm, because I use ducks instead of pesticides to work in vineyards. My name is Denzel Matais. I'm a duck farmer. Oh, the ducks so are not dangerous. They are natural pest controllers on the farm. The snails will ruin the wine stick shelf and the ducks prevent that from happening by eating the snails. Then at quarter to ten, in front of the main house, we do something like a duck parade. <laughs> All our ducks is marching in one straight line. Um, it's adorable. <laughs> say that um Lindsay and I both guessed C and so I'm overruling this uh the answer is C it's two <laughs> against one okay I guess uh I guess it's no. okay to be wrong also I don't know. that's crazy I don't agree <laughs> why does he do this I mean I guess it's worth it to him not to have you pests. need to put that link in the discord because there's a video yeah, with absolutely. that and I need to see it oh for sure no you you literally like I would like to see a thousand ducks in a duck parade well guess what you can and it's a great <laughs> why don't they fly away why don't I mean so many questions I, you know <laughs> well on that wonderful note let's talk about snacks <laughs> Great. We are excited to welcome our guest, Zach Harrison, who is the CEO at Fresh Harvest, but from what I gather is pretty hands-on, packing baskets, taking them to people's doors. So welcome, Zach. Yes, thank you for having me. I am excited to be here. Great. We're excited to have you. So tell us, why did you decide to take farmers markets online? What happened? To be totally honest, I had gone on a motorcycle trip across the country and then came back home and needed something to do. <laughs> no, on the, on that motorcycle trip, I, I stayed with my cousin on the coast of California, beautiful organic farm, and had like a specific meal that was just this moment. And so I wanted to connect more people with food in that way and try to do it online and try to get people connecting over this idea of local food. Yeah, that's great. So you are living in Georgia, right? Correct. Yeah, we're in Clarkston. Mm -hmm. Oh, Clarkston. I grew up in Fayetteville. No big deal. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Do you think that Georgia and specifically Atlanta and the metro Atlanta area are more ready for something like an online farmer's market? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, one that I don't have like the most concrete answer to other than the fact that I think when you look overseas at the UK that, you know, rough guess is they're seven to 10 years ahead of us on the food stuff. When you think about the US, you think California and they're another five years ahead of us. And when I say us, I say I think people in the Southeast, you know, it was working in these other places. And so Atlanta is a progressive growing city that I think was just ripe for opportunity. Um, it was proving out that farmers markets were desired. People wanted more of them, more were being started, but there wasn't a ton of added automated convenience connection alongside that. 
So farmers markets are stereotypically, you know, I associate it with like soul cycle, pumpkin spice lattes, you know what I mean? Kind of like luxury, potentially basic bitch. She means they're mostly rich white people who have the time to stroll around. (laughs) You know, so what are you doing, if anything, to use this technology to connect a wider population to farm fresh foods? I think your your take on that is, you know, in line, kind of in general. I do think there's a lot of farmers markets in Atlanta and surrounding kind of counties that are focused on fixing that you know, dynamic and have been for a while. So that was actually part of the inspiration of when I would go to some of these farmers markets in town was, hey, everybody is here. You know, it's because of the fact that like, if you value this food in the first place, no matter your income, the connection to where your food is coming from is like, is in us, I think, especially in in the South. Uh, And so what we are doing, what Fresh Harvest is doing to kind of combat some of that is we deliver to all over Atlanta, there's not a specific pocket of town that we only focus on, right? And um, we do our best to price things that are fair for our growers that we work with, um, but also hopefully convenient and affordable for the people we're delivering to too. So I have been in a fresh harvest truck doing deliveries many times. And I promise you like the houses you're going to are all across the board in shapes and size. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Like that's, that really is something I noticed early on, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, when we started doing this. One of the things that people like about going to a farmer's market is that they get to talk to the farmers and learn about the process and things like that. And I imagine that when you get sent a box, you sort of lose a little bit of that. What are you doing with Farm Fresh to sort of instill that sort of feeling in this process? No, that's a great point. And it's the hardest thing to do, but it's one we focus a ton on. Because the the boring version of what we do is we're a web-based distribution company, which there's a lot of those and that's not very unique and it's not very fun, you know, to to pitch ourselves as that. But that is ultimately what we do. So we could go forever without seeing a customer. And therefore, if we can do it, for sure, the farmers we're buying from can can do that. And so the first thing is we always put what we call the harvest list in your basket, which is basically, hey, here's everything we bought. Here were all your options and here's where it was coming from. So we mentioned the farm. We mentioned the specific variety of produce, all that. So you can look at that and call us to the carpet if you think we aren't being transparent about those things. A key metric that we have here in-house is what our percentage of our cost of goods is being spent locally. And that's a huge thing we focus on all the time. So would our farmers vouch for us? You know, if if a customer went to a market and talked to Nicholas at Crystal Organics or Ashley Rogers, or some of these folks we work with all the time, would they say, oh yeah, we absolutely sell to them. We sell a ton to them and you're getting our stuff in your basket. So that's one thing. Another big thing is we actually have a garden ourselves here in Clarkston and we do community events. So we invite customers to different types of events, whether it's the dinners on the farm or just work days, you know, come out and help prep and learn about how to do this, that, and the other thing that coincides with the food that you're you're getting in your basket. No, oh, that's really cute. I think what's interesting is that your mission, it seems, is to both scale the local markets, but also keep them local. Yes. 
I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about maybe what that push and pull is in terms of connecting people within their community. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, that's something I get asked a decent amount is like, hey, well, what's the growth plan for Fresh Harvest? Are y'all going to come to Nashville or are y'all going to do this in other states? And the answer is, is no. Um, our focus is here on the state of Georgia. This is where we're from. This is where the food that we buy is grown. You know, we limit ourselves. We put ourselves in an intentional box, which then forces us to be better and more creative in order to be sustainable. And so we really believe that if food is grown here, it should stay here. So if we were to go do Fresh Harvest Nashville, we'd have to start over with our supply chain and partner with new farms and kind of build from the ground up. We've also seen other companies try to copy paste their efforts in different parts of the country. And not to say somebody won't figure it out someday, but a lot of people mess that up. So <laughs> we're trying to <laughs> stay away from that. We were talking about what you're doing to like bring the farmer to the consumer and vice versa and get mm -hmm. them connected. But what were your goals in bringing it online? Because farmers don't strike me as the tech savvy type. So mm. how were you able to convince them that this would be a good platform for them? I mean, the only way to convince people at the beginning is to buy their stuff. We talked to all our friends and our friends' moms and our moms, all that. Anybody who we knew who would consider getting a basket, which was 43 people the first week we ever delivered. So in all over the freaking place. So we had to we had to start by buying their stuff. And I think, you know, it took a little time to convince folks. And so eventually we were able to start with one farm here and another farm there. And we build our baskets around their produce. And so um, the goal of that was just to expand their market. We would never set up at a farmer's market with a booth and be like, hey, sign up for Fresh Harvest. Because that's where our farmers that we work with are selling their stuff direct to consumer. And we don't want to compete with that. And so our goal is to expand their market and say, hey, how can we get your stuff to more people? Cool. Stereotypically, impoverished communities also don't have access to fresh fruits and vegetables. I think there were some studies done where they mapped it out and found that, you know, the biggest, best grocery stores were in richer areas and that there might be none in a poor community. So what are you doing to perhaps reach those communities and bring them fresh produce? Mm -hmm. And along those lines, what are you doing to potentially raise awareness around the value of this, right? Because you, you mentioned California's ahead and I'm, I'm here with a lot of pride living in California, but it's definitely like, I don't know, I feel like there's also this education component of like realizing that the food at grocery stores is loaded with preservatives and all of this stuff. So what are you doing to educate and reach other communities? The first thing is the fact that we're in Clarkston, which would be one of those communities. That's where our office is and our warehouse and our garden. We have a program called Share the Harvest that we donate to and our customers actually donate to where we, we buy the same produce we buy from our farms. And then we go and we sell those that produce at markets at the different apartment complexes at highly subsidized prices in Clarkston. Um, and we want to expand those efforts. Uh, that obviously um, has been shut down because of the pandemic. So we've connected with other organizations that do that for us. They take the food and take it to people that need it. And so we donate to that every week. But another thing is, I think, being able to accept, you know, EBT payments online. And we've been applying for that for a long time, thankfully, because a lot of the bigger companies like Amazon and Walmart got super invested in that during the pandemic. 
they're now finally rolling out some digital functionality to be able to accept those payments. And we are on the list to be able to put that in place um, once once they approve us and our processes and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, that's something you work through several different government organizations in order to get approval, but we are on the list to do that, which would be so exciting. And there's actually an organization here in Georgia that doubles those dollars for folks. So when they spend four dollars on tomatoes you get eight dollars worth of value kind of stuff wow love it love it yeah that's really cool so what Allie was talking about was you know there are food deserts and i know california's ahead but there are plenty of food deserts in california that's the word (laughs) food deserts thank you i was like i read a thing yeah so where it's so difficult to get things like fresh produce that it causes a myriad of other community problems like health problems and and all kinds of things. So it's really cool and amazing that you are are doing that Mm. and are looking into that. Are you able to connect to those communities once you do get this EBT approval? Yeah. So, I mean, we're already delivering in those areas. Okay. We have trucks that are going to those areas, all different areas of town. So they would be on the same delivery routes as, as anybody, anybody else and getting the same basket and the same produce. It's just a matter of being able to have the approved technology um, to support the payments yeah. from folks so people can use those, those EBT payments. But yeah, I mean, it would be an awesome just transition for us because hopefully we would just be um, sending more trucks to those areas throughout the week. And do you think that having this partnership with you enables farms to do more donations to food banks or to local schools? So as far as food banks and local schools, we we don't facilitate those connections. There are other people who some of the farms we work with connect to to do that. But through our Share the Harvest program, we have the ability for farms to donate or sell straight to us for their normal pricing because we put some of our budget towards that to support those things. So whether it's, okay, I I grew 400 heads of lettuce and I only sold 250 at the market and I've got to move this quick, like we can put that right in to our donation process that week. That's awesome. Is there anything you're doing to connect consumers to each other or is it primarily, you know, consumer to farm? It is definitely primarily consumer to farm. However, I, I do think a, a big part and one of the most fun things for customers too is some of those events that we host. And we don't only host them at our garden. We've hosted events before at different farms, whether it's urban farms in town or some of the other farms outside of town that maybe have more acreage, but um, you know, are a little further away. Like we've, we've hosted dinners or tours at those farms. And so, of course, when you go to that, you're meeting 10 or 100 other people that are getting fresh harvest deliveries and are talking about the jams that they made and the recipes for this, that, and the other. So that, yeah, there's a good bit of that going on as well. What do you think is the most surprising thing that's happened since you started this online farmer's market? The most surprising thing that's happened like within our system is I, I never thought we would be able to be predictable enough of an outlet to really become one of the main outlets for some, not all, but some of the farms that we work with to the point to where they're like, we don't have to do this, that, and the other thing, or we don't have to do three markets throughout the week. The the Wednesday one, the Thursday one in the other town, and the Saturday one over there, we don't do all three of those anymore because we're able to move more of our produce through you guys. You know, you always 
hope that you can be a reliable resource for folks and that you can be predictable enough for them to build a budget around, you know, but that's definitely not something we thought we'd be able to achieve when we were starting out. And that was a really neat surprise at the very beginning of the pandemic. We had several farms who are really invested in selling to restaurants, which is awesome at a lot of the restaurants I'd love to eat at, you know, but when they were closed up, these farms didn't have outlets then for their produce. At the same time we were growing because people were locked down, <laughs> um, <laughs> we were able to buy the, all that stuff up. So that was really cool. This seems like a big step forward for how we can transition away from what Allie likes to call big farm <laughs> and <laughs> transition towards eating more local and really discovering what the producers around us are doing using the internet. What do you see being the next steps with connecting people locally via something that's usually used to connect people more globally? I mean, I think that's when you can just see the, the trends of grocery budgets, like more the power of the dollar when it's spent locally can do more because you're not having to put as much into the logistics to get that thing from here to there. Um, so if you spend a dollar on a farm down the road, that creates more jobs and creates more food per unit than if you spend a dollar on that food grown 2,000 miles away because you have to pay so much of that margin in to ship it here and the logistic people to get it here and who's driving this and who's blah, 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 all that stuff. The power of the dollar spent locally. Mm -hmm. Then there's also just what we've seen, like as you offer other types of groceries, not just produce, not stuff grown on farms, but other things produced locally. As we have more resources here, we just are now bringing on somebody who makes oat milk right down the road. Like there are like people ready to spend their money with those people mm -hmm. as opposed to get the Chobani oat milk that nothing wrong with it. <laughs> the, if there are more local purveyors, suppliers, then there are more dollars ready to be spent that way. You're convincing me to buy local. <laughs> So I know you said you're not looking to scale nationally. You're just planning to stay in Georgia. Mm -hmm. Are there groups in other cities that have reached out to you about your model? Yeah, there are groups in, in other parts um, of the country and world that are doing similar things to what we do, um, which is obviously really encouraging. And there are some people where some other companies and people of those companies that we've uh, gotten to know pretty well. And we talk shop a little bit, which is great because there's a lot to learn you don't start out doing what we're doing, at least most companies don't, thinking, I'm a technology company. <laughs> but then you kind of have to become good at that stuff in order to keep up with the larger now food delivery services. So that's been really cool. There are awesome companies in other parts of the country who we've connected with who are doing this legit way. And so we, sh we share kind of some of the secrets of the trade. And how do you pick your farms that you partner with? Do you just say, oh, I had a great Apple. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Apple. From this farm, you know, I wonder if they want to be one of our providers. At the very beginning, I was going to farmer's markets and just asking people, you know, like, hey, would you be okay if we listed your stuff? How much would it cost? How much would you have available? How do we get it from you to us, to our customer? All that kind of stuff. So I was going to farmer's markets and kind of scouting it out and seeing who would want to work with us. Um, now there are people who reach out to us sometimes and want to be listed on our site and in our baskets, which is cool. And so we have like a, a requirements, like a procurement requirements list for the farms we work with. And, you know, are they certified organic and all that kind of stuff. 
And so, yeah, we seek people out still too. You know, I, I just reached out to a farm the other day I'd never heard about and sent them an email. They emailed me back and we're going to try to get some of their produce listed here soon. So it really is both ways. And we're always having to keep in mind though, that if you're in the state of Georgia, you're probably growing similar things to other farms. So we prioritize the farms we've been partnering with for years and want to grow alongside of all the while adding on new folks to that group of folks. Cool. Great. Well, Lindsay and I are ready to be taste testers. If you, you know, decide that you need those, I'm a really great taste tester. Pretty much everything passes, but I'm really, I'm, I'm up for the challenge. Well, hey, the question is, how are we going to get it to you? Are you coming in town over this way? Yeah, no, we'll do a field trip because okay. Lindsay's from Georgia. So, go. you know, Come I'm going to go see where she's from. We're going to eat all the food. It's going to be great. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. You're welcome over here anytime. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're so excited to speak with Nicholas and Jenny of Crystal Organic Farm. They've been using Fresh Harvest, and we're going to find out what's the deal? What's going on? How are you guys? We're good. Yeah, we're doing good. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, this is uh, pretty different for us. I'm looking at farms, but we're excited about it. So yeah, can you let us know how long have you been farming? What's the deal? (laughs) The farm is Crystal Organic Farm. We're located in the hour east of Atlanta. I started the farm uh, in 1994, and it's always been certified organic. Jenny joined me seven years ago. We raise certified organic vegetables and fruits and flowers, as well as medicinal herbs. And we sell our products to mostly the Atlanta market and the folks around here. So we're really small local local farm that's so cool and jenny when did you join 2014 i came to farming um from a background in fashion merchandising marketing and i needed to make some life changes and started farming i was getting food from crystal organic farm and i just inquired if he needed a part-time help and i started farming and um what followed is our love story and we're now married and we farm all of this together That worked out well for you. Yeah. Wait, did you say you went from fashion and merchandising? Yes. So I went to school for fashion merchandising. I worked in sales and marketing and management for a long time. And then just um, in my late 20s, early 30s, just wanted to make, you know, some changes. I had some health issues and just wanted to really change it up and get in the dirt and, you know, learn about food and holistic living. And I found farming here. What was farming like for y'all in the olden days, pre-joining Fresh Harvest? Fresh Harvest is is our largest customer by far now. And we grow most of our food to service his customers. Before Fresh Harvest, we went to a farmer's market, a neighborhood market in Atlanta. It's called Morningside Market. It's still going on. I was actually one of the starting farms there in 1994. And then I also sold a bunch of produce and fruits uh, to local high-end restaurants in Atlanta. What I have found is that um, a lot of people want to seek out local food and they want to buy local vegetables. There's really only a finite number of chefs that actually really do it and are committed to it. And we all knock on the same door. So I found that our sales to restaurants, as more farmers were doing what I, I was doing, they were trying to support all of us, which I appreciate them for that. But it turned out that it wasn't really worth my time to run around to these same restaurants for less and less money. And so Fresh Harvest showed up. They came at the right time for us. It was the pre-pandemic days. We were still going to market. We were able to basically 
tell all the restaurants to that we weren't supplying them anymore. And uh, Fresh Harvest kind of took over that that part of the business for us, the, the wholesale part of it. It's been really great because Zach and his crew are really nice to deal with. It's, it's it's just a different dynamics than dealing with chefs that come and go. You have great restaurants, great chefs, but one week you have a, one chef in the restaurant, and next week they may have another opportunity somewhere else, and then you're dealing with another chef in that same restaurant who has a different idea. So the dynamics of dealing with restaurants is a it's a little different than dealing with a company like Fresh Harvest. The same people there all the time. They have a really good system going. I've been doing this for a long time. So Crystal Organic Farm has a name recognition. So even a lot of these customers already knew about us. And so they're really, really excited to be able to buy our food through their platform. This continued going to the farmer's market after almost 25 years, getting up at 4.30 every Saturday to go to a market. Just for quality of life reasons, I was just really tired of having to do that. And so when um, we saw that fresh harvest, their numbers were going up too. With the pandemic and everything shutting down, we were able to sell more food through them. We were able to discontinue going to the market. We create our own little online store, and that's how we operate right now. I wanted to take it back a little bit for listeners. It sounds like before Fresh Harvest, your life was waking up at, I think you said 4.30 in the morning, going to farmer's markets. Sounds like there was some haggling with restaurants. Can you tell everyone about how Fresh Harvest works and how that's changed the game for you? Well, Fresh Harvest is a uh, local delivery company in Atlanta. They deliver local organic fruits and vegetables, as well as other items such as chips, sodas, all locally produced around Atlanta, or at least uh, around Georgia, to your home. And so the way it works is that it's a subscription-based program where you subscribe for a certain type box to be delivered to your home on a weekly basis. The items in the box are predetermined by Fresh Harvest. You as a customer can go onto their website and you can sub out some items that you don't want with other items that they provide for you. And so that is my general understanding of how that works. When you are subscribing to your box, do you know what came from which farm? So that's actually uh, something that Zach and I discussed just the other day, is that when they deliver your box, they have a sheet in there that says, you know, the arugula comes from Crystal Organic Farm, the lettuce comes from Frontfield Farm or a different farm. And so that's a piece of paper that will actually identify which product comes from where. Some items, they also provide you with organic bananas, not coming from Georgia, obviously, but it will be very clearly stated that these bananas come from <laughs> Costa Rica. And but uh, so it was, it's a good question because some people don't read that piece of paper and they think bananas are coming from Georgia, which they obviously cannot be. And so it, we're, we're working to making sure that people understand that this food is really local. We are actually using twisty size that say our name on our, our food now. We're going to use uh, compostable bags with, with our names on there just so when people receive that it will be very clear in their hands they don't have to look at a piece of paper that says hey this comes from us that's cool and so fresh harvest has essentially replaced your previous revenue streams is that right for the most part i would say yes as far as wholesale goes fresh harvest and then there's also a local meal kit company called garnish and gather in atlanta and they also source from local farms so they're another one of our wholesale customers so they replaced all of the restaurants some of the food distributors around the city that we would sell to and on the retail side we have left market during covid the spring of 2020 and created our own online retail store that sells you pick up at the farm for local customers oh so you also have a direct to 
consumers yourselves. We do, yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you think the pandemic really expedited farming being brought online? Because it seems like farming was really still sticking with farming. You know what I mean? Did tech recently catch up because of the pandemic? Yes, I know um, we use a company called Barn to Door. And I can't quote their numbers exactly, but I know their number of users increased tenfold since the pandemic. From farms going online, we chose to leave the market. Like Nicholas said, he'd been going to market for 25 years, getting up at 4am. So it was a nice transition for quality of life. And the pandemic gave us more of a reason to sort of leave. And so we transitioned everything to that online store. And it's been received really well. It replaced our CSA farm box program as well for local consumers. The customers love it. They can shop online. They pick up from the farm. We have 175 acres here. So we've given people the space, especially during lockdowns and things to walk around the farm, get in nature, out of the city. And we have a lot of customers from Atlanta, 25-year customers that will drive out to the farm and pick up our food. That's how committed they are. But yes, tech has helped us tremendously in that aspect. I would say my background in marketing and sales and retail management helped to know how to transition to that pretty easily. When you have your online customers now through your store and they come pick up, have you developed even more of a relationship with those local people who are now coming into the farm weekly? Yeah. You know, a lot of them were members of our CSA farm box before, and many of them used to come to the farmer's market in Atlanta and would drive out from Atlanta. But then we picked up quite a few new customers as well. And we do, we get a little more time. It's an, you know, it's not as busy as the farmer's market. So when they come out, we can spend time and, and chat with them. Their kids can, you know, go out and see the vegetables growing and see our chickens. And so there is more of a connection here, I would say, yes. And uh, what are the different ways that you are interacting with customers? So I know you said you're making sure your branding is more apparent. I appreciate the compostable bags for sure. Mm -hmm. What else are you doing to connect with them? I think Fresh Harvest mentioned something about farmers leaving no or consumers leaving notes for the farmers. Is that right? Yes. So Fresh Harvest, they do a couple of times a year in their customers, when their customers receive their Fresh Harvest box, there will be cards for them to write notes to their farmers, I believe, or they'll give them a farm and say, you know, write to Crystal Organic Farm and each customer will get different farms to write to. And they will send notes back when they pick up their containers because Fresh Harvest uses these reusable containers. So that when they get a new order, they get the old containers and so they'll hand them their notes and then they're passed out to all of the farms. So a few times a year we get that and it's really wonderful. You know, we get 30, 40 notes from customers telling us what they love about our farm and their favorite vegetables. And that's really nice to connect with these customers that we don't see face to face. Do you have any favorite notes? I guess some of the favorite ones are the ones that are um, written by children when they say they love our tomatoes or, or a certain pepper we grow. It's great to see that people understand the kind of work we're doing here and they appreciate what we're providing because it's a, sometimes I feel it's a little lost on uh, how much work this actually takes to grow you know, a tomato. And obviously when you hear somebody saying, oh, this was the best tomato I've had for a long, long time, it really makes all this kind of worthwhile. Are you using your online store to sort of share the process of what it's like to, you know, run a functioning farm? I would say um, through Instagram would probably be the place that we share that the most. We have quite a few followers. We share, you know, anything from events that are going on to our favorite vegetable, to recipes, to what's happening on the farm that day. And people really engage with that. They like to see, you know, what we're working on, how it works. 
We have some workshops coming up in the fall that we're going to do on the farm. We do send out a weekly email when the store opens and just sort of say, here's what's new in the online store this week. Here's our favorite recipe or highlight a product that we're selling. That's so fun. We all know about Big Pharma, but let's talk about Big Farm. How is this movement helping combat Big Farms? And by that, I mean like Monsanto. Is this helping? There are going to be more and more people going to wake up and say, hey, hey, hold on here a second. I want to know what I'm eating. I want to know that what I'm eating is not going to, you know, get me sick. And as when you look at our culture, American culture, it's not like uh, we're a healthy bunch. And so um, I feel like it, it helps us because it makes people that are aware they want us, they find us, they want to buy our food, they're committed to that. Do you think the pandemic has made people more conscious of where their food comes from? I would say when we saw the state shut down last you know, spring of 2020, our customer, um, our online store, the customer base increased, it quadrupled our orders weekly. You know, people were afraid to go to the grocery store, afraid to go out. They have, you know, they had, there was a stay at home order. Yeah, that had a big influence um, as life has sort of gotten back to normal in air quotes here. We've seen that number lower back down to a more, I guess, reasonable amount of orders weekly. But I do, there are the people who stuck around who came during the pandemic who wanted to know where their food was coming from. There were food shortages in the grocery stores. There were meat shortages um, and certain you know, supply chain issues. And so also when you have that connection with your local farmer and you know where your food comes from, you don't have to be worried if there's a supply chain issue, if there's a meat shortage, because you know your farmer and you know where you can go to get you know your vegetables and your meat or your dairy. I'm wondering if you think that Georgia is the perfect place for it because you started your farm in 1993 in rural Georgia. And I, in 1993, was living as a child in my parents' home 15 minutes away from a dairy farm just south of Atlanta. So I knew about the farm and I would go by there and look at the cows, but I never once thought, I wonder if I can get my milk directly from this dairy farm. Do you think things like that are less likely than things like vegetables? And Well, I feel like that now you can, you probably would be able to get your milk from your neighboring farm. So I, I feel like this movement is a, a lot more, let's go to the farm, let's pick it up directly from them. And I mean, Atlanta is kind of unique because it's a big city, really in the middle of quite rural areas of the state. Like you said, you are only 25 minutes outside of the city. 25 minutes outside of where I am in LA is more of LA. So I think that it might be cool that Atlanta has this ability to create that relationship. But do you think other big cities could do something like this to get farms that are probably not 25 minutes away, but maybe, you know, just an hour away to have this kind of relationship with their community? I think so. I mean, you know, something we've done in creating our online store is that we're pulling from lots of other farms in our area and putting their items on our store as well. Um, And we are also sourcing from local artisans and makers that we really love, products that we use in our home, that we eat. And so knowing where they've come from, they're organic, they're locally sourced. We're putting that in our store as well to sort of make this hub for people in our area, in rural Georgia, to have access to this food that they wouldn't normally have access to or they'd have to drive into the city for. So I think when you see co-ops and you see things pop up like that, or even like Fresh Harvest, you know, companies like that, I believe more and more of those are going to pop up in cities and they're pulling from so many local farms. I believe that's only going to continue to grow. 
You don't have to share, but I think you might have in the article I read that led me to you guys. But what was your revenue like before going online and what is it like now? 2020 was, like Jenny mentioned, we were, we were sourcing a lot of uh, other products from different farms. And so during the pandemic, our revenue, our store, store sales went really through the roof. That's kind of mellowed out some. Our, our revenue through the store is a little less. Mm-hmm. Now, is it because of the pandemic or is it because other factors that I don't know? Because so much comes, comes into play. You know, you could be planting a beautiful field full of tomatoes and then you have three weeks where you have nightly thunderstorms. Those tomatoes, there's a good chance, at least here in the southeast, they will not grow very well. There'll be disease will take over and you're not going to have many tomatoes out of it. A year when you have really dry weather and it's really not too humid, it could be totally different. Well, along those lines, how are you feeling about climate change? (laughs) Everybody excited? (laughs) Well, I will say, and I'm going to let Nicholas speak to this because he's been doing it for 30 years and I was only nine when he started. So (laughs) he has seen the weather change himself here on this farm, on the same land, growing the same crops over the years. Yeah. Well, you know, climate change, I'm worried about climate change, not so much for our farm necessarily, but just the planet as, as a whole. Now, if as a businessman, I feel like our, the Southeast, I see what the folks have to go through on the West Coast in Oregon, Washington, California, where so much of our food comes from, the extreme heat, the fires, just to name a few. You know, we have things happen here. We have, you know, hurricanes that brush by us sometimes. We're far enough inland that they don't really affect us too, too much. I feel like the Southeast is going to become more and more very important uh, in growing food for, for, for the nation. So, you know, I want things to be go back to normal, and I think it's very important. So, yeah, I, I'm a little worried. Oh, yeah. I think we are all a little bit worried. (laughs) On a happier note, we kind of glossed over that, you know, Jenny was like, oh, I'm a fashion student, but I'm really interested in farming. And now we're married. So (laughs) can we, how did this happen? And I want to know everything. That had to be a very fun and funny wedding. We are ready for this romantic comedy to come out. <laughs> I mean, it's it's got to be a Hallmark movie already, right? Like, yeah, that's true. Love on the farm. City girl moves to the farm. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's great. Well, I'm lucky that Carhartt is now very fashionable, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, let me backtrack. So, I yes, I was buying food from Crystal Organic Farm. I was working in sales and marketing. I decided to leave my job and I wanted to farm. I wanted to eventually have my own farm. I wanted to grow my own food. I had severe food allergies and um, asthma and things like that as a kid growing up. And I just knew that our health starts with our food and what we put in our body multiple times a day. It's the thing we do the most. And so that's really, really important. And so I knew, well, I want to learn how to do this. And I text Nicholas. I'd met him just like I said, from buying food and said, Hey, can I come work on the farm? And he said, yeah, can you start, you know, in two days? So I worked part time. (laughs) I didn't know anything, you know, and I actually worked with him for about six months and I left and went and managed another organic farm on my own for about a year. And then I came back to him. And in the meantime, we started dating and fell in love. And, you know, when I came back, it was for us to run this together and create a life here together. Yeah, we were just married two weeks ago, officially, actually. (laughs) Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. I definitely, I mean, you know, learning to work together and live together and do this work that's physically demanding, you know, it's not always easy. 
as any farm couple will tell you, but you know, we make it work at the end of the day, we're there to support each other. And, you know, one of us is disappointed because the deer ate all of the sweet potatoes. The other one can lift, you know, lift them up. So we, we balance that well. That is very adorable. And (laughs) I'm looking forward to seeing it in the Hallmark Channel fall movie collection. For sure. Who needs farmers only when you have a farmer's market? I know. Do you guys know about farmers only, the dating site? Oh, I've heard of it. I was going to make that joke, but I didn't. Yeah, yeah, that- heard, of it. heard of it. So that's where you actually met, but this is like your cover story. Is that what's happening? Exactly. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. We wish you the best of luck with all your farming endeavors and spreading the word about nutrition and climate change. And when I come visit my parents, I'm going to come visit your farm. <gasps> oh my God, you totally should, Lindsay. Yes, please yeah. I'll send Allie pictures to make her jealous. Great. <laughs> please do. Thank you so much. I'm definitely telling all my friends in Georgia to subscribe to this thing because it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I'm just interested. I mean, of course, technology is taking over absolutely everything, our brains, our bodies, our souls. But I think it's nice that I guess I'm sort of interested in how in some ways it's taking us backwards in a good way, like connecting to local communities. Like I feel like, you know what I mean? The trend of progress was to go big, 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 supersize. And now people are realizing the value of these smaller small 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 yeah like mm-hmm. Lindsay. just They're like going you back and to me Lindsay size and <laughs> i know is I'm also small. small i just would like I the in- i would like <laughs> listeners to know that as small as ali keeps saying i am she is literally a hair's breadth taller than me <laughs> i know mm. i know i just am really proud also because for so long you know i was co-hosting with jen jen the, and she's jen a giant, giant. <laughs> so I'm just enjoying being the tall one now. You know what I mean? After after so no. many years, let's get it clear: you're not the tall one. I'm not. You're the less short one. That's true. That's true. Well, if you love bite-sized fun, uh, <laughs> support us on then Patreon. Patreon.com/slash2g1p. Or if you aren't ready to support us and you just want to see if we will talk just, back just to you if you talk to us, us on social media, yeah, mm-hmm. you can. Well, no, you could call and oh, leave yeah, us a message. True. And speaking of Jen the Giant, she's going to tell you that number right now: three four seven eight seven one six five four eight. That number again: three four seven eight seven one six lit. Email us at two g one podcast at gmail.com. Just email us. What are you What are you eating right now? Like literally right now. What are you eating? Just Just Ooh. say, uh, you know, a uh, cracker. Email just us. Send us a one word email. No, just tweet us. Well, tweet us what you're eating right now. I'm <laughs> yeah. at Allie underscore Goldie. And I'm at The Lindsay Life. And I am really interested in what you're eating. <laughs> mm-hmm. CTC? Ah, that's true. You know what? I found out through the Twitter twatters that uh, Lindsay's not the only one who calls it CTC. It's a thing. <laughs> uh, definitely <laughs> not. I, I didn't ding-dong. realize that. <laughs> Literally everybody I'm be calling it CTC. Oh, the other thing that Allie and I are definitely not going to put on the Patreon or post in the discard cord is the direct to Hallmark movie that we are going to write about Mm. the Crystal Organics Farms. (laughs) And maybe that is the name of it. Dang. Are you sure? Crystal Farms love in the lettuce. (laughs) 
Love if you want to just tweet, that's good. Tweet at us the name. How about <laughs> us let us name. love? Let us love. Ooh. Get it? Oh, get it? Get so it? Oh. Let us love. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I need to shut this down. Let's yeah. go. We gotta go. Okay. We gotta go. All right, friends. It's been great. Let us know how you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I'm killing it. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Lindsay Ford and Allison Goldberg. Then buried in a hole while we wait for it to grow. I mean produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Additional editing by Avital Ayler. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe. It was probably good at some point.